It's been two years since your favourite SAS festival has taken place at the RDS in Dublin. But guess what? We won't make it three years. That's right, SASDAQ 2022 is on. And what's even better is that we've opened up our friends and family pre-sale today with a limited batch of the cheapest available tickets. Grab them whilst they last by visiting sasdoccom forward slash sasdoc 2022 Imagine that you could get access to the revenues you'll be generating in the next 12 months already today. What would it mean for you? Capchase helps fast-growing recurring revenue companies finance growth without taking on debt or dilution. Whether you want to invest in growth or R&D, Capchase turns your predictable revenue into growth capital today. Capchase has helped founders unlock hundreds of millions in financing to fuel their growth and on average extend their runway by eight months and spared upwards of 16% dilution. See how insanely easy it is by clicking the link in the show notes or go to capchase.com forward slash sasdoc to learn more. Very often people are concerned on or focused on keeping an eye on the price, focused on the results. And you can see this kind of thing from school. You know, as I have the kids now, 11 plus, and all this kind of thing. It's all about the results, the outcome. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. The result, it's a byproduct. And that byproduct comes from what you do on an everyday basis. So don't focus on the result, focus on what produces the result, on what you do on a daily basis. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host Alex Thuma and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. I am your host Alex Thuma, CEO and founder of SaaStock. Today, we will be talking to a second-time founder on launching his business. Uh, this business specifically is Akuva. Uh, we'll be going deep into that. Uh, and so I'd like to welcome Osvaldo Spidano, CEO and founder of Akuva, uh, to the show. Why did you decide to found Akuva? Like, what was the problem that you were trying to solve? Well, Akuva, the idea of Akuva started... Um... The genesis was when I was at Ux. Um, Ux is a, is, a, is, a, is a fairly large company. Many people know it as a B2C company selling fashion to, to customers, but a good chunk of their business also comes from providing fully managed service to other uh, fashion brands like uh, Marni, Armani, Diesel, and so on and so forth. Um, and uh, what I was trying to do there was trying to create a SaaS platform um, so that could be used by um, these what called what are called um, mono brands, um, a platform which you know which was more kind of flexible and adaptable to to their needs and so on. Um, and at that time, we we're uh, working out something around using Magento. Magento is is a is an open source uh, or closed source um, uh, e-commerce platform and uh, very popular. Um, and um, 
at that time, as I was developing this platform around Magento, I already saw a, f- a few issues around uh, in the market around uh, you know running Magento uh, uh, or hosting or on the cloud. Um, when I was at Alex and Alexa, they were also using Magento. And uh, I must say, at that time, I had quite a miserable life uh, for a few months because we had lots of problems around hosting Magento, scaling, and so on. Um, um, luckily, you know, we sorted everything out, but the overall experience was quite frustrating, I must say, even for me, who I was a fairly experienced CTO. Um, and I thought, what do other people do about it? How do they solve this problem? Um, and um, and then I found out that actually many people did do suffer from these type of problems around hosting Magento and so on. Um, and it was quite um, interesting to see how unevolved the e-commerce industry was in that space. I come from a SaaS industry, obviously, so I knew SaaS very well. And what we were doing with Magento was pretty much the opposite of SaaS in a way. You know, you have to have your own platform. You you build a site on top of it. You have to manage everything rather than having a third party managing most of the technical parts for you. And what was clear to me is that in the market, there was this kind of, um, uh, you know, you could look at it as a, as a spectrum or one end you have SaaS, you know, the likes of Bend at the time or Demandware, Salesforce or uh, BigCommerce, Shopify and so on. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the kind of platforms um, such as Hybris or Magento, many others, who that you can use um, or you can license and then you have to run them yourself. So you, have, you need to have the developers, you need to have the agency, you have to host and everything else. Um, so you have these two extremes in the spectrum and there seem to be nothing in between. Um, and when I looked at the different industries, such for example, content management system, and uh, I looked at um, similar uh, products such as Alquia, for example, um, for uh, Drupal, or you could find companies such, uh, uh, such as um, WP Engine to host professionally WordPress. So there were solutions there in that market, but not in e-commerce, which was bizarre because obviously there is a much more need of those things in in e-commerce because there is a tight relationship between performance uptime and money uh, uh, that the site can produce. Um, So out of the frustration, but looking at the market, uh, uh, that's where the, the, the... the idea came, basically. Uh, it, it was something, basically, I thought, there is the opportunity, both in market terms, but also in terms of uh, pain point out there, to build something that solves this problem around managing a running Magento on the cloud and managing the overall technical operations and, um, and be able to kind of, uh, define a new segment within a market, which in e-commerce wasn't there, basically. Let's talk about turning ideas into into products. So you understand <clears throat> you had that problem, you wanted to start the business, but how do you turn that idea then into the product? What what were the steps that you took to to get there to having you, you know the, the product realized? Yeah, I must say, when I started, I wasn't planning to do another startup. This is my fourth startup. 
any startup is it can be hard on their own. So, uh, you know, I had a family, kids, and, uh, you know, maybe I just wanted to have the CTO life, get a good salary, and uh, that's it, right? Um, and enjoy your life. Uh, but it was interesting um, when this opportunity kind of came to me, and I was thinking, I said, this is incredible. And uh, But obviously, at the same time, you're absolutely right. I stopped for a moment. I said, I think that this is a problem that many other people have. But what if it's me just being me? Maybe I'm too picky, too fussy. Um, I'm making too much of a fuss about these kind of things, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm magnifying, you know, uh, um, this this problem. Um, so what I did is to actually go out um, and actually trying to see whether there was a problem that other people were facing. So. I got back in touch with someone I knew who was a head of e-commerce at a, at, a, at a company. And I started chatting with him. And then the guy was telling me that actually they were using Magento and they were having lots of problems. I said, okay, interesting. Um, this sounds familiar. Um, okay, why don't I try to help you out? So I did. And the kind of problems I found was what I was kind of expecting. Um, or let, let's say what I was seeing was, was I... Uh, 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 you know, I set as, as an hypothesis, okay, at that time. Um, and this was exactly the case. They were having problems. Their site was managed by an agency, but agency was maybe good for development, but not very good at technical operations. So they were struggling. They were doing it on, on the side as a hobby and not really doing a, a good job. Now, without realizing, they were having actually a massive problem. Uh, it was like for them driving a car, with a handbrake um, uh, on, basically. Um, and as soon as we start solving the problem, we, can, we could actually start seeing their business flying. In a matter of, um, um, of just five months, they went from 500,000 pounds a month revenue to 1.5 million. It was magnificent to see that. Maybe that's an extreme example, but it was telling. And, and at that point, then I said, okay, I've, I've, helped, I've helped you out. Um, but now you need to, to, to get someone that looks after these technical operations and hosting stuff properly, okay? Don't, don't just live in the hands of a developer trying to, you know, second guess what to do. And um, and then I, I told, you know, the, 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 the MD of the company, look, by the way, I'm, I'm thinking of, of setting up this business. Would you like to become our first customer if I did that? And he said, absolutely. So basically what happened there, I they had a problem. They were not really aware of the problem themselves. So what I did, I just basically made them aware of the problem. I also gave them a solution. They saw the results, and then they understood that there was a problem in that, you know, what if I gap, basically, they had to be filled. Um, and so they became the first customer. So I managed to get the first customer before even starting the business. I then incorporated the company. Um, at that time, I was also talking to my co-founder, Zach Stevens, who I worked with when I was at Venda. was one of my best high when I was at Venda. He was a technical architect there. And I got back in touch with him. Um, he was freelancing after leaving Venda. And he helped me out at Alex and Alexa. And we kind of reached the same conclusion that what was happening in the industry was quite bizarre was mind-blowing way and uh, that there was a gap uh, to be filled there um, so we decided to start uh, the, the company at that time we called it Elastera we then rebranded the company 
And then we started building the actual platform, um, an automated platform on top of AWS. So we 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 chosen we chosen AWS as a, a place to build our platform on top of. And within five months, so we started in May 2013, at the end of May 2013, and around uh, in the beginning of October, we actually launched our first product, our first MVP in a way, minimum viable product, and we migrated that first customer over to us. So during the time we were looking after them, they were on Rackspace and just make sure everything was, you know, kept going for them. And then we migrated them over. Um, and everything was absolutely fantastic since then. And then they went, as I told you, from doing £500,000 per month when we met them, after 18 months, they were making £5 million a month. Um, so they improved their revenue by 10 folds in 18 months, which was quite uh, uh, quite interesting. And then for one client to the next client. Was that... Um... Uh, from uh, 500,000 a month to 5 million a month, what's their line of business? What, what, what are they doing and should we get into that? Uh... <laughs> uh, yes, uh, furnitures. So a kind of uh, replica furnitures. Um, uh, I, I don't know what happened to them. Uh, unfortunately, um, they they had a few problems, I think, to do with, um, with, the, with the law in England. They changed all to do with the copyright and IP around designs and things like that. They had to move to Ireland. I don't know what happened yeah. to them. It, it was a bit messy in a way, yeah. <laughs> but the, the business was really good. Obviously, the family was helped by um, the products uh, having a high average over the, over the value. Um, yeah, but it was a, you know, a quite interesting growth. Uh, unusual, to be honest with you, but very interesting. From that first customer, how did you get your first hundred customers? Like, how? Uh, what? What? What did this? Uh, what was the plan there? What? What were the, some of the things and the tactics you used to grow your business? Yes. Um, well, we don't have hundred customers, uh, unfortunately, and 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 the reason for that is because, well, not yet. And the reason for that is because um, we, when we started we um, identified as the key market, the mid-large enterprise. Um, and I can tell you a little bit more about it, about the go-to-market and so on. Um, but it was a matter of me, uh, a next CTO, um, um, uh, becoming the CEO and trying to do his best at selling stuff, basically. And, and uh, to be honest with you, I must say I've learned a lot around selling by observing probably you know some really good salespeople like Dan Wagner and other people when at Venda very often I was a very a, a kind of CTO who wasn't afraid to go out and meet clients and being involved in pre-sales quite a lot. So that gave me the opportunity to observe and learn from the best and um and also learn the good and the bad in a way. And um so I, I found my own style uh, based on honesty, based on creating value. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, with an element of assertiveness and, and, and fun and, um, and doing sales, not just a, a, not looking at sales just as closing, but as providing value to customers. And one client led to that second and then the second to the third. And 
initially was word of mouth. Um, the first 15 clients were all closed by myself. Uh, so I did all of them myself one by one. And then I hired a head of sales. And then obviously I, I started delegating things to uh, salespeople. But even today, I'm still involved into, in the sales and marketing and branding, all these kind of things. So, so from having acquiring, let's say, the first 15, so through word of mouth, um, and given that uh, you're sort of like mid to enterprise level customer uh, sort of target, now does Akuva, um, you know, how are you acquiring your customers? Uh, you know, are you doing, is it, you know, outbound, um, you know, cold calling, uh, do content marketing? What, what's, the, what's the strategy, ABM, et cetera? Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. So when we started, there was word of mouth, but there was a, a good element, although it was at a very small scale as me on my, you know, on my spare time kind of uh, trying to do these kind of things. Uh, but was very clear from the beginning um, that um, inbound was kind of working, outbound was working. And channel, as in partnership, was also working. In fact, when I looked at the first, you know, 10, 15 sales, we're actually almost like one third, one third, one third. There are a third inbound, a third outbound, a third uh, channel. So on one hand, that's a beautiful thing to have. On the other hand, it's a problem. Because when you're a startup, you can't, especially we were not very uh, massively founded. After we bootstrapped the company, by the way, and after one year, we uh, or less almost yeah eleven months. We then raise a seed round, okay, um, and and then we made a company uh, break even after one year. That was by design. We we decided to 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 run the business in that way. So what what they meant is that um, that we didn't have infinite resources. Quite the opposite. So we have to focus. And when you have a, an outbound strategy that works, an inbound strategy that can also work, and channel can also work, it becomes a problem because you can't spread yourself too thin. Um, but what we did is, I didn't want to close any doors, so we kind of kept doing all of it. Maybe I I did less of inbound because we were marketing mid large uh, customers, and with those people, it. it it's yes, inbound might help um, in terms of generating awareness, but then it's all about closing deals, and you have to go through uh, you know a process and the life uh, the cycle of, of a sales uh, of a deal can go from a few weeks to a few months to sometimes a year, two years. Um, so, um, and also what I've seen with the time, which I was expecting to be honest with you, is a shift to. Um, channels and, and partnerships. So channel becoming more and more relevant. Um, and that's kind of um, also almost kind of organic and normal. I was expecting it. So Ademar, I'll give you actually an example. Now, uh, this Monday, um, we um, a new person started in the company, a marketing manager. We didn't have anyone in marketing. Uh, we just said, you know, sales and um, uh, myself and uh, um, a person kind of um, a chief strategy, a fraction of chief strategy doing all the branding for us. And I was thinking, shall I go down the sales 
get more salespeople or shall I go down a different route? And I talked to various people from um, the top guns at Klarna to um, other companies and so on. And and also uh, to get their opinion, but also uh, uh, using my kind of critical thinking observation. And and um, what I realized that the classic... Um, playbook of sales is not really working anymore and uh, and especially in our case obviously um, where we we have a kind of high touch sales kind of uh, process in account-based marketing um, kind of approach would work best so our effort is really going into branding and going into uh, targeting accounts mapping the accounts, knowing them inside out, and the key, and that's maybe could be a, a tip for some people out there. I think the, tea, the, the key is remembering one thing. A warm introduction is worth a thousand cold calls. So if you have a way to get to a prospect, a lead through some warm introduction to other partners or whatever, that makes life so much easier. Yeah, no, definitely great, great, uh, a great tip there. Uh, one I I fully subscribe to. I guess take moving from that tip to maybe some of the other key learnings that you've had uh, in running the business uh, to date. Um, are there any kind of uh, you know if you could distill it down to which is quite difficult, but to a couple of uh, you know key learnings uh, to share? Uh, what would they be? Okay, so one of them would be be very deliberate about your first job. Now, this is not for um, people starting a company, obviously, but anyone who gets into the job market in the first place. Be very deliberate. That, that experience is extremely important. That sets the scene for what happens next, okay? As I said, I was extremely fortunate to, to work in a research center, and I've learned some very valuable lessons. You might say that's not a, a real business. Uh, it isn't, um, but uh, it, it, it taught me a few things. It taught me about the scientific method. So, for example, before jumping into this kind of thing, go and see things by yourself, verify, um, get a first customer before. Um, and now this kind of thing has become quite popular with Lean Startup and all this kind of thing, which is great. So be scientific about things. It's not just about the data, by the way, because very often, especially in B2B, you don't have, you don't have the luxury of receiving lots of data and, and a new statistical method to, to try to you know, understand what's happening. In B2B, it's about looking people in the eyes and trying to understand what's going on. Um, so be deliberate about your first work experience. Um, develop, absolutely develop critical thinking um, and develop system thinking. That's so important in life in general, in business and everything else. Um, what are the learning? Uh, we have inevitably everyone have setbacks. That happens. Mistakes happen. Setbacks after happens. Just it's part of the journey. Don't worry. Just keep going. Uh, no worry at all. Um, the other thing is, a few times I had my alarm bells. I get into something and I can hear an alarm bell and I know something is not right. As few times I didn't listen to the bell and. Uh, the inevitable happened. It was a mistake. So when you have the alarm bell, listen to it. It's there for a reason. 
um, try to understand why that's happening and what that's ringing. Um, and the other thing, don't just take everything for granted. Again, develop the critical thinking and apply the critical thinking. I'll give you an example. How business typically are run, it, honestly, they're just amazingly bad. Um, you know, you have manager leadership saying, don't bring me problem, give, you know, bring me solutions. That's bullshit. Uh, it's totally the opposite. Don't take these kind of things for, 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 for granted. In my company, the Kuva, we say, no problem is a problem. If you don't, if you don't see a problem, if, if you, if there is no problem for you, that's a problem. You're not looking hard enough. Um, and funding problems is extremely important to us. Um, and uh, yes, those are some, some of the learnings. And some other learnings maybe could be around, yeah, I mean, with Vendor, for example, I had a very different journey with being VC backed. We went through this, you know, the C's, C's, A, B, C, D, and all the alphabets. And um, where we'd approve and say we did see a seed race and that was it. Um, I didn't go through the VC path. And um, so some learning there is, yeah, be careful and again, be deliberate about what you're expecting from your business, um, what you want to do with it. And uh, don't be obsessed about things like valuation. Careful there because sometimes I see people being obsessed about valuation of the company and they end up doing the wrong things. Um, and um, yeah, that's a pity. And um, yeah, another learning kind of um, in life as well as in business is to very often people are concerned on or focused on keeping an eye on the price, okay? Focused on the results. And and that's, and you can see this kind of thing from school. You know, like I have the kids now, 11 plus, and all this kind of thing. It's all about the results, the outcome. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. The result, it's a byproduct. And that byproduct comes from what you do on an everyday basis. So don't focus on the result, focus on what produces the result, what, on what you do on a daily basis and um, on, on how you practice, whatever it is that you do, being that sports or music or running a business or whatever passion that you have. Um, the daily practice is so important. Actually, then, sorry, if, if uh, every time I talk about something, it brings something else in mind. It's um, very often, I see even people, they, they, they try to make change either to themselves, when they say, I want to change as a person, or I want to change the business, or whatever it is, or wants to get better on something. And very often, uh, people think of it as, okay, first of all, I need to think about what do I need to do. So they're trying to change the way they think about things. And then with that, they think that they can then change things. And unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. There is a saying, it says, um, uh, you don't think yourself into a new way of acting, but you act yourself in a new way of thinking. So basically what that means is, is the is the practice of 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 daily improvement is the practice is what you do every day that forms your thinking it's a bit like what i said at the beginning uh, who is osvaldo spadano i'm the byproduct of my own experience
And yeah, so that's uh, those are few learning from my side. Amazing. No, th- uh, th- thanks for sharing those, and, and, and definitely agree uh, with those points. But in terms of, uh, I guess, on, on the learning side for your own personal learning, you know, I always ask about uh, your favorite business book. Um, so, have you a particular one uh, that that you that's been helpful for you? Um, yes. Um, one thing actually really changed me. Really, um, it kind of set me on my own journey. Uh, basically, um, has been in the early two thousand when I started Venda. And at that time, I had a, a, honestly, I had a massive problem I had of myself of starting these things. Nowadays, people call it SaaS platform. We didn't have that name at that time. Um, and um, and I had a, a fairly difficult problem to solve. And uh, and then I knew that the, 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 the kind of IT software industry didn't have an answer to those problems. And therefore, I looked outside um, IT. And that's, again, my research background came in, looking, researching, trying to understand things. And what was interesting, by looking at other um, kind of industries, um, and, and one of them was automotive industry. Um, basically, the problem I had was about how can you create a product and make it mass customizable? Okay, one product that many people use, hundreds, thousands, but then uh, be able to customize it so it fits every single different business need. And um, and then I came across the automotive industry. And then by looking into it, it, it I came across uh, what I call Toyota production system. And then the lean thinking around that it was developed in the late 80s and so on. Um, and, um, and they came, actually, I remember after I finished doing some business study, postgraduate diploma, um, uh, on, on business and so on. Um, and I realized that the kind of thing I was kind of learning uh, as kind of business school was so outdated. And therefore, I would say one of my best books will actually be this one, uh, Lean Solutions, but there are others, obviously, um, from uh, James Womack and Dan Jones. They are basically the fathers of Lean. And by the way, Dan Jones is also one of my investors and um, advisors for the company. Um, and in a way, Akuva is a lean experiment, uh, mm. believe it or not. Um, and it's fun. <laughs> so, yeah, Lean Solutions is probably one of the of the most um, impactful books uh, to my journey and my learning as well. Thanks for sharing that. I, I, surprisingly, I've, I've not uh, heard of that. I mean, obviously, I've read Lean Startup. It's probably maybe the more well-known, or maybe it's not. Yes. Um, but I uh, sort of read that many years ago. Uh, but definitely we'll look to check that out. So I love finding uh, new books uh, that I've not heard of, and I'm, I'm sure the same for the audience as well. Well, look, we come to the end of the time there, there Ozzy. Really appreciate you sharing your story for Kuva and the lessons learned to date and, you know, all these great kind of tips. Uh, where can people find you online, learn more about you? Um, I'm I'm quite active on LinkedIn and uh, somehow on Twitter as well. Um, on LinkedIn, uh, yeah, it's Osvaldo Spadano. Um, it's a quite difficult one to 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 pronounce to, to to spell, I guess. Um, um, but you know, if you look for Aussie O double S Y on Twitter, for example, you you will find me. My name is Osvaldo Spadano, but look for Aussie. Uh, typically, you can find me either on Twitter or LinkedIn. Amazing. 
Well, thanks so much, Ozzy, for uh, joining us on the SaaS Revolution sh uh, show today. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you and uh, learning from you. And thanks for sharing your story. My pleasure, Alex. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS Doc conferences around the world.